Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Welcome. I'm your host, Irvin Lee of From Beer to the Bible, and I got my good friend and gateway brother, Mike Fitzgerald, with me today. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Hey, I am super excited to have you, and you have such a rich and robust testimony that we want to get right into it. And I want you to introduce our theme for today. Yeah, kind of the the theme that I've been thinking and and that I've seen and realized since I've been in recovery and been in a relationship with Christ is uh, that God, he loved me so much. He pursued me before I even knew him as I was still a sinner. And you know, I believe that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, yeah. uh, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that's just been my theme. So while I was out there yeah. uh, drinking and using, God pursued me. And mm-hmm. I think you'll see that in my story. Yeah. One, one of the things that that drew me to you and your testimony is that fact that although it felt like at times you were running away from the Lord, the Lord was always actively busy about you and pursuing you. Most definitely. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So so talk to us and, and tell us when and how did you fall into addiction? Well, it started when I was very young. Um, you know, it's it's ironic. I uh, just saw the Jesus Revolution movie yeah. uh, the other weekend. And that was the era that I kind of grew up in. Okay. And so all that is very familiar to me, um, except I didn't come to Christ at that time, but that yeah. was all going on. But, you know, I grew up in a middle-class uh, family in Sacramento, California. I was just a normal kid early on, you know, involved in sports and things like that. Yeah. My parents, we didn't go to church, though. Uh, church and God just wasn't part okay. of our life, and they were not... Um, believers and just kind of stayed away from that and um, so I just grew up did that kind of stuff and then by the time I got to junior high school like 12 13 years old I got exposed to um, drugs and alcohol and you know at that time you know you're you're changing as Mm -hmm. a young man and um, I was very uncomfortable in social situations around girls all yeah. that kind of stuff you know i just felt unique and different than everybody else and yeah. when i tried drugs i liked them you know i started off with marijuana yeah. and and what they called beans which was speed at the time yeah um you know and i started doing that and then um a little bit later started with alcohol because you can't really get alcohol too easily no. at, at 12 and 13 years old but Okay. Um, but that quickly uh, came into the picture. Okay. Yeah. What role in your active addiction, what role did your friends play? And then where was your family as you were starting to fall into addiction? Yeah. You know, it seemed to me everybody was doing 
drugs and alcohol. That's just yeah. the environment I grew up in. Okay. Um, you know, it, it almost seemed like the people that didn't do that were the ones that were kind of odd. You know, yeah. it just seemed like everybody was doing it. So all my friends were doing it. We'd go out on weekends and get high and, you know, somebody's brother or sister would buy alcohol and, you know, older brother and sister and we'd get drunk. So that just kind of went on. My parents didn't really realize. I'm sure I came home, you know, drunk one night or yeah. two or something. So they knew something was going on, but it just wasn't. You know, it's just okay, kids being kids yeah. early on. Yeah. You know, and then it just kind of progressed all into high school and it got more and there was more drugs, different kinds of drugs. So basically anything that got me high, you know, I yeah. was I was ingesting and and I loved it. For the most part, you know, it worked for a while until probably uh the latter part of high school yeah. I started getting into trouble. Okay. Um and so then it started to become a problem. First, you know, it's fun. Yeah. Um, then it becomes fun and problems. Oh, then it becomes problems and, you know, more serious problems yeah. and that kind of thing. So that progression and that escalation definitely just kept going. Yeah. And I always had alcohol through it all. It, it's amazing to me how it starts out and it's so much fun and it's working. Yeah. And then talk about how it stops working and then outside of all the fun here comes the avalanche of the consequences and you go from wanting it to needing it talk yeah. about that progression well so let's see you know i think probably uh, the things that started going wrong was school grade started yeah. to you know, I basically stopped going and stopped trying. So my, my grades suffered. Yeah. Uh, my parents had always said, you know, if you don't go to college, you're never going to amount to anything. So yeah. my nature and my attitude was, okay, I'm not going to college. You know, I got to yeah. prove you wrong. So I was always kind of anti-authority, anti, you know, if somebody tells me what to do, I'm going to mm -hmm. prove them wrong. So that mm -hmm. was kind of my attitude. And, you know, so I somehow i graduated high school but of course i didn't um i didn't go on to college and i i started working um and it just kind of escalated i got at 19 years old um i got in a car wreck i rolled my truck with a friend in it and mm -hmm. we landed upside down in a river off of a levee road mm -hmm. um you know beer cans strewn yeah. everywhere all over the street so i yeah. got arrested then at 19 uh, my friend was injured. I was injured. I didn't have to go to jail because we went to the hospital. But yeah. after that, um, you know, I was arrested for drunk driving and the judge put me into an inpatient alcohol rehabilitation program. Yeah. Um, so what's ironic is, you know, I got there and I couldn't believe that I was there. I didn't understand either. You know, I was 19 years old. I wasn't even old enough to drink alcohol. So how could I possibly be an alcoholic? That yeah. was my kind of thinking. You yeah, know? it's amazing um, what we can tell ourselves. Yeah. So I went through that um, as soon as I got out, started yeah. drinking and using again. Okay. Yeah. When and at what point did you ever say to yourself, <laughs> perhaps this isn't working. This drinking and drugging for me isn't working. Yeah, it was probably 
from that point, it's probably five years later or so, five years okay. further into the progression. So I'm in my mid twenties. Yeah. Um, I had a job and I, I would go to work regardless, you know, whether I was hungover, yeah. whether I was high, whatever, <laughs> I'd still show up. Yeah. You know, and eventually um, I just stopped going, you know, it got yeah. in the way of my drinking and doing drugs. And so I lost that job. Um, you know, I started getting sick and tired. Sometimes you'll hear the saying, you know, I'm sick and tired of being yeah. sick and tired, you know, and that was happening. Everything in my life, you know, my relationships, my family, everybody started just kind of moving away from me. They didn't yeah. want to have anything to do with me mm -hmm. at that point. So that's kind of when I saw it. So I put myself into a rehabilitation program, an inpatient our mm -hmm. call program at that point just because i didn't know what else to do and right. life wasn't working yeah nothing was going right and i was getting in more and more trouble um so i went through again yeah this time a little bit different kind of perspective although i tried to do everything on my own and um that doesn't work no you know? it doesn't work yeah. yeah did at any point okay where was jesus where was was anybody trying to help you and maybe lead you to Christ and help you say, Hey, look, I think that one of the things that's missing is, is the good Lord church and fellowship. Was anybody yeah. trying to come alongside that you that came way? a little later? So I, you know, the people that I hung around with did, did not have a relationship with Christ and the okay. people that I was around, but there was uh, one friend that I had, you know, would ask questions like, do you believe in yeah. heaven and hell? Yeah. You know, and I would say stupid things like, yeah, I believe in hell because I'm living hell on earth right yeah. now. You know, just because of the pain and, mm -hmm. you know, the desperation and things that things had progressed to. Um, but I never really, never really considered, you know, going to church or you know, or anything in a okay. relationship with God. So mm -hmm. it just progressed. I got to the point where um, I couldn't work anymore. Yeah. I didn't have any money. Mm -hmm. um, nobody wanted to be around me. I was injecting drugs into my arms at yeah. that point. So it had progressed down the road and, uh, and I didn't have anywhere to, um, to live or to sleep. And um, I ended up um, living in an abandoned car that was off at the end of a dead end road. Yeah. And I would sleep in that car. And that's kind of where everything took me now is a long progression. Yeah. Uh, by the time I was 30, 31 years old is when that happened. So, wow. So at 31, you're living in this car. Now tell us at what point does Christ show up? Well, it was well, kind of ironic. So, you know, I'm I'm in there in the back seat of the car. It's probably two or three o'clock in the morning, and I'm drinking from my bottle that mm -hmm. somehow I managed to get at this point. And I don't know. It was it was just I can still remember it and picture it in my mind to this day, many yeah. years later. And um, I just kind of sat up and very erect, you know. And I just yeah. had this moment of clarity, and I just cried out, "God, please help me." Yeah. just like that and tears were you yeah. know streaming down my cheeks and you know i guess i just got to that point where i tried everything i tried everything to do it on my own yeah I tried to do everything on my own and nothing worked you know i just had all the shame the guilt the fear the desperation yeah. that just goes around you know <laughs> with addiction yeah you know and that was just a desperate cry out to god and you know so um uh, then 
at that point, the next morning, somebody came knocking on the window of the car door, you know, I kind of, uh, kind of wondering what's going on, you know, yeah. and it was a person that I knew and she said, I'm going to take you to the hospital. And at that point I was so sick. I didn't really care. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd given up hope on everything. And so she took me to the hospital and they had, she had arranged with my parents who were back East at the time, this was in California, um, to get me into a drug alcohol program. Yeah. And so I can remember walking up the steps to the hospital, drinking the last of my pint of vodka as I'm walking up the yeah. steps and tossing it into the garbage can right by the door there. Yeah. And so I went in for the third time. Wow. And so you go in, you get help and then you continue as God has been pursuing you. Yeah. Now, do you turn and pursue the good Lord as well? Yeah. Well, what it's, yeah. So all this time, like I mentioned early on, is God had been pursuing me. There is so many times that I should not be here yeah. at all. In fact, there was one time in the mid 80s that I was working um, temporarily for a moving company in San Francisco. Yeah. And I was working with a crew of four guys and, um, and we were doing an overtime office move. So just humping furniture around, moving floor to floor for this company. And these, the guys that I was with, I was, they always partnered with two people. So I was partnered with one guy and these other two guys were kind of our crew chiefs or whatever. But yeah. the one guy I was with was mad at the other guys because they were, not doing the work and him and I were humping the furniture and um, and they were kind of just talking to the girls in the office, that yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. he was getting real upset. And in the freight elevator, he was doing these, um, you know, martial arts kicks and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so this all kind of went on. I didn't think anything of it at the time, but it was probably like three, four months later that I found out. So this was um, Charles Ng, who was one of the most notorious serial killers in California. Wow. And he and Leonard Lake were, had a, had a torture chamber thing down yeah. in, uh, Calaveras County, but I had been partnering with Charlie for about four weeks on these overtime moves and we'd ridden the Metro into work yeah. day and day, um, you know, every other day. And these two guys, uh, found out later showed up missing. And then over time, it ended up that they were actually killed down in Cal Calaveras County. So the four of us guys, you yeah. know, in this, um, these were guys work you were working crew. with. Yeah. yeah. So I, I know God had a hand in that. You yeah. know, I rode the Metro with Charlie every mm -hmm. day into work. And um, so things like that, you know, driving, blacking out and, you know, just situations I got myself into. Yeah. I certainly should not be here. So I know I know God was watching out for me. I believe the Holy Spirit led me to the point where I was willing to just cry out in yeah. desperation, God, please help me. Yeah. And as I know now, God is always faithful. And God, he so. stepped in at that point in time and yeah. he's never left. It's just kind of exponentially increased his uh, presence in my life. Well, to me, the greatest prayers sometimes are the shortest, but they engage our soul and our yeah. heart and our whole being, our spirit, when we cry out for that help. Yeah. Because many times I've heard people in addiction 
say that same prayer. Yeah. Pretty much that's what I said. Like, Lord, help me. Lord, come get me. And it's amazing to see him answer those prayers because yeah. we have our whole being engaged in them. And now, what's interesting, though, is like you said, it was just that guttural kind of, you know, almost groan, God, please help me. Yeah. The ironic thing was I had no relationship with God yeah. up to that point. I don't even know where that came from. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, you know, that's the amazing grace of the Lord. Now, yeah. so you you are now in a place where you're open to receiving all that Christ offers. Right. So talk about that a little bit of, hey, you get out, you're in your recovery in the journey of, yeah. of finding and building the relationship with Christ. Yeah, so that was an inpatient program as well. And thank God, my final um, one. Mm -hmm. um, and... So I was like 10 to 12 days in detox because I was so sick. Yeah. And I think typically it's five, six days, something yeah. like that. But I stayed longer and then it was a 30 day program. Mm -hmm. So I had nowhere to go, right? I'm homeless when mm -hmm. I go in there and I asked them, what am I supposed to do? I can't, you know, I'm, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And they yeah. said, well, we'll give you a list of, you know, halfway houses and places yeah. you can call and see if you can get in one. Right. So I got the list and I called, you know, like five days before I was supposed to be released. And I started calling everybody. Nobody had a bed. Nobody had any room. Mm -hmm. um, and then one of the guys that I had called, called me back on the very last day. Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, Mike, you called me and asked if we had a room um, at this recovery home. If you if you want, I did have a bed just come open. So why don't you come interview? So yeah. I went I went there and interviewed. This gentleman was a, um, a Christian brother. Yeah. He was an alcoholic himself, recovering alcoholic and ran mm -hmm. a program through the Christ, uh, Catholic Charities and run ran this halfway house. And he said, you know, um, if you want a bed, if you really want to get sober, I have a bed down in the basement. There's certain uh, things that you have yep. to do, you know, and do you want it? And I said, you bet, I'll take it. And um, that turned out to be just an amazing experience. And obviously it was a God thing. It's, yeah, um, it's, it, it normally is a God thing. And, and Mike, as we, we're going to have to have you back to finish the part of hey, this is what the lie I believe from yeah. the enemy. This is where I spiral. And then I met Christ. And we're going to talk more on the other side about what your life is like now, right? So to all of our viewers who are excited to hear part two, you're going to have to tune in for part two between Mike and I. But while you are awaiting that, please like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And please continue to support us at frombeertothebible.com. That's frombeertothebible.com. May God richly bless you. And please join us next week for part two with my friend, Mike. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.